pandemics, global supply chain issues, cyberware attacks, inflation, the big quit. The list of disruptions goes on and on. We're living in a different world. It's more complex and moving faster than ever. This podcast is to help guide you through these turbulent times to ensure your organization can survive and thrive by becoming disruption-proof. Hi, welcome everybody. Defining innovation and what it means for your organization. I'm Brant Cooper, CEO and founder of Moves the Needle. We're reimagining how to manage businesses here in the in the digital age in the 21st century uh, by bringing an entrepreneurial spirit to large organizations. Thanks for joining. The way this works is I'll prattle on here for a few minutes uh, around my thinking on defining innovation and why it's important and, and how people can get started for, with their own organization, what it means for their own organizations. Uh, but we do want to make this interactive. And so you have the ability to raise your hand. If you ever used uh, Clubhouse uh, during its rapid rise and I don't know where it went. Uh, if you ever use Clubhouse, you can raise your hand and then I can invite you up on stage and you can make a comment or ask a question. Uh, I will be uh, doing that if I catch you. Uh, otherwise, I'll we'll wait to the end. But I do want you to uh, participate and and so think of things that you would like to uh, like to like to ask. But I'm going to jump right in. So innovation is uh, everybody knows what that <laughs> what that means, right? Why why do we have to define innovation? I think it's every once in a while I'll Google most innovative companies, and it's boy probably for the last ten years you'll get Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and I'm all like, really? Are they the most innovative companies? I mean, they. Uh, The speed of acquiring companies, maybe maybe that's innovative. Uh, the uh, how egregious the videos they can show you, no matter pretty much no, no matter who you are, like it's all supposed to be tied to who you are, what videos you want to see, and let, yet it just seems like everybody gets like the worst videos. So I don't know, is that innovative? Maybe, maybe if that increases engagement. But it's almost as if innovation in that regard is defined as, you know, number of software engineers. The other lists that come up will be those that have the most patents, like literally hundreds or thousands of patents a year. And I'm thinking, well, really? I, I think patents are more the job of a lawyer these days than it is a, an engineer, I think, or a scientist. And so there's a lot of publications, people that define innovation as being the number of patents. And of course, if you told, if you told a technical company, well, we wouldn't need to be the most innovative and so you have to go create the number of patents. I want you to be innovative. And then innovation means the number of patents. And you know, that's what you get is you get thousands of patents. But of course, patents represent invention, not innovation. 
it's pretty difficult to call a new invention that no one ever gets to see or take advantage of or get benefit from. It's pretty difficult to call that innovation. And so you get different definitions of what innovation means from technology people, from executives, from salespeople, from marketing people. Uh, innovation, of course, can be applied to internal processes and efficiency and costs and, and, and all of those type of things, supply chains and distribution. Innovation can be applied to all of those things. Uh, and so all of those people that run those parts of the organization might define them, uh, define innovation in that way. So I, I really, I really encourage people to go around your company and just ask people, just spend a day asking people what they think innovation is. What does innovation mean? And, and, you know, take notes, write down, write down what, what people are saying and, and document the difference in their answers and document, you know, interesting ideas that people have innovation, not innovative ways of defining innovation. So almost just to get, get it out of the way, to me, there's some, there's kind of some basics around defining innovation. So needs to include something new, uh, to be innovative. It can't be common knowledge. It certainly can be, however, combining common things in a new way. And then one of all of the, uh, the dilemmas that I, I always get caught up in is, well, you know, new to who? So if you're bringing an old technology that, uh, you know, maybe technology laggards, right, have never seen a smartphone. Well, well that's kind of funny. I don't even know if there are any laggards on that. But if you brought a smartphone to somebody that had never seen a smartphone, to them, it's innovation. To the rest of us, this is this is just a common tool now, right? So you, you kind of have to keep in mind what the market penetration is of that innovation. And there will always be, it'll always be new to someone. Uh, but if it's already sort of dominated a market, then yeah, it was innovative, but it was innovative a while ago. Definitions typically include a technology element. That's all fine and good, but it, that actually can cause some some issues, which I'll talk about in a, in a little bit. But innovation doesn't truly require technology. It just happens to be a very human way of creating something new. Uh, but of course, we know that, uh, you know, at least back in the 90s, I think it was pretty hip to patent business processes. It's sort of less of a problem now. Um, but generally, people can string things together in new ways that is innovative. And so what is it that makes that innovative? What makes something that's not technology that sort of is an ex, you know stream, stringing together some different processes or even combining common technology in a new way? What makes that innovative? Well, it's because it's it's solving a problem in a new way, or it's solving a problem that hasn't been solved before. So somehow innovation needs to be something about, uh, it's not only something new, but it's doing something special, solving a problem better than the previous method. It's creating value for somebody. 
And then I guess the question becomes, how many people does it have to create value for, for it to be innovative? If it's, uh, you know, just a small segment, it's a small group of people, it's innovative for them, but it's certainly not innovative for the rest of the world. Uh, and so people do talk about adding a notion of scale to defining innovation. So something needs to benefit enough people for it to be innovative or innovation. So a basic definition of innovation might be something new that creates value at scale. Uh, so something that creates value on a small scale and then fails to go big, you know, again, it all kind of depends on the context back when it started, it sure could have been innovative, but in the end, if it sort of dies on the vine, then that's not an innovation that anybody will be talking about uh, years later. And in terms of defining it for your organization, uh, maybe that last part that it actually is scalable and that it creates enough value for enough people, you know, that's likely going to be a pretty important determinant about whether that's something that the company wants to invest in. So your mileage may vary in terms of how you want to end up defining that, but it's a working definition. And again, if you're going around in your organization, it would be sort of interesting to figure out if you could get with uh, get to a certain point where that definition is is good enough. It's a working definition. So is that it? Are we done? Is that defining innovation? I mean, not, not no, that was the easy part. So, it, it, you know, defining innovation sort of in this basic way uh, satisfies the need that people have to have a working definition. And so that's healthy and that's good. And it, at least it's a starting point. And so when you're going around and you're asking people about their definition of innovation and what innovation means to them, they're likely putting it within the context of their work or they're putting it in the context of their organization. So they're sort of already trying to define innovation for the organization as opposed to, you know, what it means absent that, like what it means if you looked it up in the dictionary. Uh, and of course, super natural for people to tailor it also to their particular work and what it means to them or whether it does mean anything to them. So that the, if we're careful, that whole basic definition of innovation actually kind of falls apart the moment you want to discuss what innovation means for your organization. And I don't know, to me, it's kind of obvious why. Uh, because the real question when we're talking about innovation inside of any company, whether it's a startup though a startup is, you know, maybe defined around a piece of innovation or a very large enterprise, it's what you're going to get out of innovation that's important. And so it's, that's, you know, one of the reasons why I talk about innovation mindset so much as opposed to innovation itself is because the innovation mindset includes the subset, which would be like technology innovation, that thing, uh, in achieving these desired, these larger desired outcomes. And so if you were to sit down with your chief executives and you were asking them about what are the desired outcomes of being innovative or of innovation, or if you're running an innovation team of, you know, what are the desired outcomes of, you, of the innovation team? 
and you maybe would have to push a little bit and get them to define things a little bit tighter and, and, and don't take, you know, sort of their first broad answer at face value. But you're going to start, you'll get down to things like, well, we, we need to use new technology to increase efficiency. We want to reduce costs in the production of our own products or services. And so, uh, so that would be innovation. Uh, maybe it's, you'll hear it's to better serve our customers. It leads to new customers and new revenue growth. Uh, innovation can open up brand new markets. It'll, uh, innovation will increase company value. That one would be interesting if you could get the C-suite to admit that. <laughs> So what they really just want to see is their stock price go up. Uh, so they want this like equity growth. And often in order to get the equity growth, you need something more significant than, uh, you know, sort of an increase in revenues. You need a whole new market. You have a whole new opportunity where there's this, this growth is going to come from. Or, you know, perhaps it's been foreseen that a portion of your company eventually is dying. It's going to go away. And so you need to replace that. And, and, you know, if you actually discover based upon evidence, based upon validation, that there are these new opportunities out there, then, you know, future value of the company is going to go up. So if you pry, you might get a little bit deeper even than that. Like we want to increase our customer satisfaction or increase engagement or loyalty of our customers. We want to make our customers even, you know, happier. Some people like talk about happiness, uh, better in, uh, employee retention. So maybe that's uh, executives that are looking internally and how do we, how do we recruit people and retain them? And uh, how do we get our software engineers to want to work here? Those type of things. And so innovation can actually help out with, with those, uh, with those issues. Uh, you also might get to the point that you're hearing, you know, hey, we want to make the world a better place. We want to improve leisure, uh, sustainability, uh, the health of the planet, uh, diversity. Um, and so I think that there are some companies that take seriously this, the idea that innovation is what's going to continue to improve the standard of living of human beings on planet Earth or uh, for some of us uh, inventors, if not innovators, it, you know, maybe it's uh, improving it on a different planet. Uh, so, so that's great. We, we're, we're thinking about these, these outcomes that we want from innovation from, and uh, the problem, the trouble with it, the difficulty with innovation outcomes is that they're really impossible to predict. I mean, impossible to predict at the outset. And this is why I've harped on uh, the innovation industry's bastardization of growth horizons. And so I'm sure you all are familiar with growth horizons. And if you've, see, you've heard of or you've see, seen of it kind of within the last 10 years, it's usually this horribly redefined version of uh, horizon planning, and uh, and it's just so wrong and really gets you down the wrong path when you are, in fact, 
trying to define innovation for your organization. So you can't predict when you'll get innovation and you can't predict how far away it is. And, uh, and, and innovation is not dependent or the, the, the size of the, the benefit that you're going to get, your outcomes are not dependent upon what level or how innovative something is. And so they, this is like really important to put your heads around because you can't really define innovation for your organization if you're starting out with this belief that horizon one means not very innovative and horizon two means kind of innovative and horizon three means breakthrough innovation. It's ludicrous. It's wrong. Stop it. If you Google types of innovation, you're going to get thousands of, art, of articles on the four types of innovation. And I guess there's this, you know, radical innovation versus some other sort of breakthrough innovation. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It doesn't work. You can't be innovative that way. It's the wrong direction to go. And it's just crazy to me. You can, you know, find this on Harvard Business Review. They're going to tell you about the four types of innovation. And it's just, it's just ludicrous. You cannot sit around a conference room table and go like, okay, who, where's my radical innovation team? And you're my breakthrough innovation team. And you're my incremental innovation team. And you're my like continuous improvement. You don't need to innovate, but I just want things better team. It doesn't work. Could you imagine if venture capitalists discovered corporate innovation and figured, oh, wow, you can predict all of these things. I had no idea. I didn't know, know I could invent or I could invest in startups based upon the size of the innovation they were going to do. Wow. God, I wish I had thought about it. I don't know how the innovation industry got here, but it, it's just, I, and, and if somebody's got a counter argument, I'd love to hear it. But the time it takes, even if you're able to do breakthrough innovation, which you can't predict, the time it takes to get there is not dependent upon the fact that it's breakthrough innovation. It's dependent upon just really the quality and the timing of the idea and the timing matters, the luck matters. I think Instagram was like two people when they got acquired by Facebook for a billion dollars. Not that the amount of money that you exit is also the determinant of level of innovation. But I mean, they were doing something new enough that Facebook paid them a lot of money. And it happened like it's not an overnight success, but it's like it was pretty fast. So I, I, uh, horizon planning stuff, if you actually go back to the original book, The Alchemy of Growth, that thing is still rock solid. That's gold. And really, we're, we're actually going to veer this conversation almost towards that. Uh, I think that some of the terminology they're using is old. The timelines they're using are old. And there's some thinking in there that's a little bit old. But this idea that actually what we're trying to do is is achieve growth, growth being one of the desired outcomes that your executives have around innovation. And all of the ways that we might achieve growth, that's good. Think that way, not how innovative I have to be, or I have to discover something new that will do all of these things.
So that, you know, here's the rub. Do you need to innovate at all? If you can achieve your desired outcomes without creating something new, are you better? Are you better off for not being innovative? I mean, seriously, maybe. So you have to tie your companies, your organization's definition of innovation to the desired outcomes. And if all of your desired outcomes were something like, I mean, just go, just think about some of them. If your, if your, if your desired outcome was to increase efficiency. So one of the ways that you might increase efficiency of your organization is to experiment with emerging technology to see if that improves efficiency. But there's a ton of ways that you might improve efficiency. And so you actually want to choose the best way, not the one that's new. And that applies to all of those other things uh, that I was talking about in terms of getting, what do you want to get out of innovation? You want to better serve your, your customers. You want to open up a brand new market. <clears throat> okay, so opening up a brand new market, that would actually require something new. Do you have to invent something? Or can you take old technology and use it in a new way? So understanding your desired outcomes starts tending you down towards the path, like the available options to you to achieve the outcomes. And to me, you might as well just call all of that innovation. We don't have the growth that we want to see now. We don't have the revenue that we, we, we want to see. We don't have, we want to increase our customer satisfaction. Okay, so what are the possibilities that are available to us? To our customers and to us, that's innovation because we're doing something new in order to provide value for some scale. So to me, the, when you're trying to define how you might want to achieve those outcomes, there's a couple of things that you want to look at. And the first is, you know, what's commonly referred to as the DNA of, of your company. Like, how did your company get started? What was the ethos uh, of your founders? And, and what was instilled then in the culture at the very beginning of the company? Because I think that stuff lasts. It can change, it evolves over time, you know, with new chief executives or with new directions or new changes in, in, you know, the markets or whatever. I think that stuff can change, but I think it's worth looking at what is the DNA of your organization? Were you inventors? Did you, do you invent new technology? Is that what you do? 3M is an invention technology company. Biomedical companies invent. Are you resource miners? I, I said 3M, but it's ironically, I am 3M started as mining or, <laughs> or mining some sort of mineral, uh, which actually, by the way, didn't work. Like their first failure out of the gate was coming out of the gate. Uh, they mined all of this resource and, and it, ended up being a poor resource for what they wanted to apply it to. So they had to like pivot from the get-go. Uh, 
the DNA might be that you're dedicated to a particular market segment. There, you know, there's whole organizations, companies that got started because we're going to supply a hospital everything that it needs. We're going to uh, supply nurses everything that they need in their job. And nurses actually went to then like mothers. Okay, we're going to supply nurses and mothers everything that they need. And it doesn't matter what the the product category is underneath that. It's It's serving the particular segment. Are you salespeople? I, there are some organizations that just can sell. They can sell anything. That's what they do is they sell. Or that are great marketers, they're branders. They create a, a feeling around a product, around a product line. And that's what they're selling is being part of this feeling. Hey, that stuff is brilliant. If that's your DNA, then, you know, you should understand that. There's some people that are just deal makers. So maybe that's like, you know, mergers and acquisitions. So I don't really need to innovate. I mean, this is really what Google does, right? And Facebook too. It's like acquiring companies. And so you understand this environment that you're working within and you're like, we're going to go acquire what we need in order to piece together, cobble together, or even to create a market that we want to be part of. And then there's these other, I'm not sure what the right word is for this. It's just pure opportunity seekers. Opportunist is sort of a negative connotation, but opportunity seekers are, there's some businesses that just were born to be conglomerates. They'll go in any direction they want, as long as it's significant revenue that adds to the company bottom line. And I think that's kind of interesting. Those are like sort of unique companies. And so there's, you know, some case studies out there, these companies that just go like, well, we're innovative. And so we're just going to go launch this new business in this other market. And you're like, wow, okay, go ahead. That's amazing. And so that's fine. And maybe that's who your founders were. Uh, SAIC here in San Diego, you know, used to be known as a company that, just brought people in that wanted to invent and create a new market. And it didn't really matter what the umbrella was that it fell under. It was, it was really that ethos that they were recruiting rather than, you know, sort of any particular market or domain. So the second part, the other trick to determine what the right innovation method is for your organization is, what are the needs that you're addressing? It's really interesting to me how difficult it is for a lot of companies, a lot of organizations to really articulate the need. And so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, except that it creates a nice laundry list of needs that you can take a look at. Ignore the pyramid, ignore the hierarchy. But if you're just thinking about some of the needs that you're serving, they could be foundational, like food or shelter, health. It could be entertainment, the streaming stuff, movies, games. Um, they could be emotional needs, things for family, spirituality, mindfulness, uh, anxiety. Some companies like Facebook like to create anxiety so that they can solve it for it. Uh, maybe you're, uh, you're addressing, you know, helping people become more content or happy or deal with sadness. There are other 
you know, sort of more nebulous needs that are not necessarily positive, but are certainly human things concerning ego and self-perception and who people want to become and dreaming. And Or, of course, if you're serving government and businesses, then you're actually helping other human beings do their jobs. And so all products address one or more needs. And all needs have multiple steps or multiple products that are involved in those needs being addressed. And what's interesting is that needs don't change much over time. How they're addressed changes and who has them evolve over time. There was some famous example, I think Peter uh, Drucker wrote about it in Innovation and Entrepreneurship book about how, I don't remember if it was that universities missed this wave of uh, probably boomers coming into college age and suddenly there was not enough capacity for colleges. And then there's the opposite happened where it's actually kind of happening right now where the number of people that going to college is going down. And yet, you know, universities are often run like businesses where they have to get, you know, growth, 10% growth year over year arbitrarily. And, uh, and yet they're the pool of from whom they're recruiting is going down. And so there's like these demographic changes that just sweep across the world that will affect who has the needs that you're addressing. And then there's other, you know, there's environmental changes, obviously, Food, you know, even some of those basic needs are, we're seeing a lot of the migration issues that are caused by changing availability of foundational needs based upon climate change. So that's an extreme example. Uh, there's also just economic changes that happen. You know, you've got uh, these countries like India with these massively growing middle classes. So what does that mean when the middle class gets you know, bigger and bigger, what are the needs that suddenly these people have some uh, income that, to spend on other things, uh, other needs? And so you could just look at demographic needs and understand that who has these needs evolve over time. And of course, the other thing that changes is how those needs might be addressed. And one of those things might be technology. And so Certainly one wants to look at what technology is emerging or what technology is even sitting around um, that now, to, for whatever reason, the timing is right, that that technology could be used to better address needs that our company already addresses. So I've got a series of questions here that, that things to ask your organization, ask yourselves and ask other people inside your organizations to try to learn how you can go down this path of then defining what innovation actually means for your organization. And you could create a plan then. Uh, and, and of course the plan is how you're really going to get buy-in and commitment and, and, uh, and these other things that will make your efforts sustainable. So first step, Obviously, define and agree to the desired outcomes. So what are the specific objectives do you have for innovation and by when should they be achieved? So what is the timeline for achieving specific outcomes like increased customer satisfaction? We should see that 
the end of this year and we want to see a 5% increase, assuming you've got a benchmark way of measuring it. So some of those other, the, uh, some of those, uh, I'll repeat them here real quickly, but some of these other things, uh, increased efficiency, reduced costs, better serving customers. Uh, so that's really addressing our needs in a, in a way that the customer views as being better than before. Uh, using innovation to find new customers and new revenue growth, growth brand new market opportunities, increasing customer uh, company value, increased satisfaction or loyalty, better employee retention, making the world a better place. So you have to have a way of measuring it and you have to have a timeline attached to it. And so you could be looking at, well, we want revenue growth to be X in five years. All right, well, so what do we need it year over year for the next five years? So question number two is what needs do you currently serve and how? And again, as I just mentioned, needs are layered. And so the deeper you go, the better. You wanna be able to understand not only how you're addressing the need, but what are the other things that the customer or user or beneficiary is employing uh, to address that need completely. So you kind of want to be able to go upstream and downstream for, from where you exist. Uh, so it is very much jobs to be done type of thing. Uh, and I guess the quick, quick example by what I mean by upstream and downstream there is that, you know, there's sort of this internet cliche, uh, people don't want to drill bit, they want a hole. Uh, people don't want a quarter inch drill bit. They want a quarter inch hole. And I'm all like, nobody wants a quarter inch hole. <laughs> you don't even need to, you don't even need to buy a drill bit to get a quarter inch hole. No, you want to hang your, uh, your flat screen TV on your wall. That's the need. And then one of the sort of the sub needs is, is yeah, well, I got to, I need a hole for the screws or whatever for the, for the mount. And so you want to be able to, and why do you want to hang the TV? Well, that's for entertainment. So you could literally start with entertainment and, uh, and work your way up to all of the steps that are needed in order to hang the TV on the wall and, uh, and, and to stream TV shows. And so now you're serving this entertainment. So the sort of the more detail that you could get around the need environment that you're playing in and what your role inside that need is, you know, this is actually what's going to define your areas of innovation. So, uh, so you want to understand the third is, uh, what are the gaps between where you are now and where you want to be in terms of your desired outcomes? So the next question is, is sort of a tough one, uh, but I, I find kind of interesting is uh, what does your DNA that we've talked about allow for you to expand into other needs? Uh, and so you know, it kind of gets back to this cultural idea or this, 
you know, who were the founders and, and how did they come together in, in creating what they created and, and what effect does that have now on, on sort of this spirit of expanding outside of existing needs? And it's, and it's sort of okay for the answer to be no, we can't really go outside of our existing needs. But then that, you know, it sort of determines then what are the avenues of innovation available to you? It, it's, you know, you have to go and sell more. You have to market more. You have to repurpose what you have as opposed to, well, I'm going to mine a different mineral or I'm going to invent a new technology. So that's question four, super important, I think. And question five, what existing or emerging technology potentially improves how you, the needs you're currently addressing will be addressed in the future? So this is research, scouting. What are startups doing? You know, if there's a thousand startups around the world using blockchain to do this particular function in financial services, you know, if I'm a financial services company, I'm going to take a look at that. There also could be technology that's lining or lying around. I mean, really, the whole digital transformation is essentially technology that's been around for a while that's finally being applied to uh internal processes as well as as companies external products and it's really just because you know the transformation layers that have to exist underneath an innovation are not insignificant you know mobile had to before facebook really took off mobile uh mobile had to work now you could argue that myspace or friendster was better than facebook but the, the technology, the transformation layers weren't there that would allow the timing for the, for the social activity to take off like it did. Our, our media kind of wants to reward the CEO as being some sort of a visionary, but I'm not buying that one. So question six then are, what are the demographic, economic, or environmental trends underway that will affect who have the needs that you're currently addressing? And again, all of that, this is like one of the things that universities and academics do really well is identifying these type of trends. And they're, they're not speculative. They're like, no, these are real trends and th this is happening. And that allows you to do all sorts of planning around or even determining what level, what type of innovation you're going to do uh, in order to address needs short-term to long-term. So I think those are the five fundamental questions. And again, I would encourage you to talk to as many people inside your company as possible to uh, to find the answers to those and see if you can come to uh, you know, agreement or if not consensus on those. So in the end, these will de those questions will determine th the type of innovation that, that, that you should be looking at. And, um, and that's really in the end, what we mean by defining innovation for your organization is what are the innovation that 
principles or the innovation tactics that you could look at in order to achieve the desired outcomes that your organization wants. And please remember when I say type of innovation, I don't mean incremental versus radical versus breakthrough, which I just think is, again, worthless. Uh, but so how, you know, thinking broadly of the desired outcomes and the DNA, your DNA, and how these needs are evolving, here are some of your choices. The, the choices are actually limited. Here are some of the choices. You're going to go invent new technology. You're going to use new technology invented by others in a different way. And by a different way, that could be applying it to your existing market, uh, applying new technology to the needs that you're already addressing. You're going to continue to just incrementally improve existing technology or products over time. This is like maybe the tinkerers in the world. And arguably, arguably they don't have to reinvent or they don't have to innovate if they just are of this mindset that they are just continuously improving. Every once in a while, there'll be some sort of a breakthrough that comes through that maybe leapfrogs whatever incremental stuff that they're doing. But it's very rare. The innovation industry blows that stuff as being like hanging over the shoulders of the corporate CEOs everywhere. And it's just not true. It's rare. And so you can prepare yourself for that eventuality or not even eventuality, that possibility by your technology and startup scouting and just sort of keeping abreast of that thing. But if you're a big enough organization, it kind of doesn't matter. If somebody does breakthrough innovation, you can still acquire. Or maybe it's part of your corporate venturing, right? You're investing in those companies that might be doing something that might have some significant impact down the road. So I, I think one of the the big ones here that is on the table is repurposing existing technology, your own technology or your own products or other resources, like including raw resources in a different way. So if you take a look at your, your product portfolio and you're like, okay, well, what, what have we done unique sort of in the engine of our products that we could actually extract and go like, where else might this be used? So that's kind of a cool way of, uh, of quote unquote innovating. And, you know, I, I really don't feel like you can innovate by looking at nine boxes on a canvas and going like, oh, we're going to go do business model innovation. I think that's BS. And a matter of fact, that's the other lists that you find on, on, on to internets is the, 10 types of innovation and one of them is business model innovation. But the thing is, is that it's driven out of the need. It's not driven out of the business model. And so people are so focused on business activities that they forget whether there's the need. And so there's nothing like magical about a SaaS business model, they exist. So do you run off and then go try to create a business based upon a SaaS business model for whatever industry that you're in? Well, 
No. I mean, you can explore that as opportunity. And it's debatable whether one wants to even call that innovation. I mean, I don't care. But it's not the tweaking of the business model that matters. It's the, what is the new, what is the technology product or other resources used in a different way that addresses the need better? And here's another one that I think is, again, it's difficult to call it innovation, but is key to achieving desired outcomes. You're going to expand into new markets by geography, segment, or category. So emerging middle class in India. Okay, well, we're going to go establish a beachhead in India and sell our products that we sell to existing middle class people. We're going to go and try to sell them in India. Is that innovation? I don't know. I don't really care. It's it's achieving the desired outcomes. Or it maybe is achieving the desired outcomes. And a new segment might be, again, it's, oh, we sell this really expensive, complicated 3D architectural software to the biggest architectural firms in the world. Okay. How do we... And we serve small businesses, small architecture firms with a simplified product. So it's asking the question of like looking at it as a new market or repurposing the technology. And these, you know, these are, these are ways to unleash opportunities. And then one has to obviously work on the opportunities to generate evidence to see whether those opportunities are big enough and to close the gaps in your desired outcome. And category is kind of interesting, but what I mean by category is like when a company, I think Johnson & Johnson went from mothers to nurses or nurses to mothers, um, or it could be, you know, we serve all small doctor offices, independent doctor offices. Well, we're gonna serve doctor offices and dentist offices and vet veterinarians. Right, so it's taking sort of an existing type of business and going like, what's an equivalent of that in a new market? We're gonna go tackle that. And of course, the other way of, like I've discussed is, uh, is M&A. So uh, we're gonna buy our way into a new market. So happy to hear about your other ideas of how you might do, like what are the other choices? I think that that actually is pretty encompassing um, but to me, this is what, how you take defining innovation for your organization to the next level. We're going to achieve these desired outcomes over this timeline by doing one of these, by doing a multiple of these innovation practices in order to close the gap between, in order to address the needs better, our customers of our beneficiaries and close the gap between where we are today and what our desired outcomes are. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Proof Podcast. My mission is to help as many business leaders and startup founders as I can grapple with the increased complexity and uncertainty in the business world. It would mean a lot to me if you could please leave a review of the show and share it with friends and colleagues. Wishing you all the best and remember, be kind first.